Once I was the king of Spain. Now I eat humble pie. Whoa, my unspeakable wife, Queen Lisa. Now I eat humble pie. I'm telling you I was the king of Spain. Now I eat humble pie. And now I work at the pizza pizza. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got first time on the show, Ryan Dunleavy. So we talked about all about OTA, some other stuff, Saquon Barkley. Um, and actually, we were planning for the interview to be about 30 to 35 minutes, and we couldn't stop talking at the end. So I no. thought there was some fun stuff about just like covering the New York Giants um, and some honesty from Dunleavy where other reporters might try and play too cool for school. Justin, how are you? Yeah, and also Ryan, like... If he knows something or if he's heard something, he he told us like here this is this is what I've heard, not just kind of giving us his opinion. You know, hey, this is what I've heard. I've heard this from somebody in the Giants building, and he literally gave that from start to finish. So you got to listen to the whole thing. A lot, a lot of fun with Ryan Dunleavy. I think it was the best Saquon conversation we've had with any reporter too. Yeah. Um. At, so, the, so- at the end, we reached like a conclusion where it's like. This is this is a really weird situation, and Saquon Barkley has really kind of messed up, screwed himself. Yeah, which we knew that. Uh, uh, before we get into this episode, Justin, this episode is brought to you by some special people. Eric Sturmer, he's very stern in what he wants. John Blaze, I feel like John Blaze was already a Patreon, but we welcome you back, Blaze. Bill Hartnett, Hartnett, how could you be so heartless? Michael uh, Klopchin. Uh, he's got a stronger chin than Dallas Goddard, I can tell you that. Stephen sure. Ghost, Stephen Ghost to Patreon.com, and Connor, just regular old Connor. Uh, Connor, he's he's a press Connor. Justin, who are these people? I know Connor. I went to high school and college with Connor. How do you like, know? He has no last name. Well, he messaged me on Instagram, and he said, I'm going to subscribe to Patreon. So oh, well, thank that, you, Connor. That means a lot, and Connor's a can really, you really play good press dude. press Huh? Can he play press man? He can play press man. Um, I think he's like a, I think he's like a state trooper. Like and he can beat the shit out of me too. So, um, patreoncom slash talk of giants. Oh, never mind. Play, never, what are you, you going to say? I was going to say and get away with it and get away with it. Yeah, because that's sure. I wouldn't tell. Connor's a good friend, and he subscribed to Patreon. So if you that, see me in the mind. streets, if you see me in the streets, and you're subscribed to Patreon, you can beat the shit out of me, and I won't say anything. Patreon.com/slash Talk of Giants. That's one of the perks. Beat the shit out of Justin. Plus, you get to watch us li- watch the shows live as we record them. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. Plus, there's some shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com/slash Talk of Giants. You can beat the shit out of me. All right, let's. Uh, before we get into the Dunleavy interview, we'll hit some stuff from OTAs. Um, just a couple of housekeeping ones. John Michael Smiths. Dead snap is a go. Um, is a go. We kind of we kind of thought that that would happen, but then it's like, well, I mean, he can adjust, right? Like, I'm not worried about Dan, uh, Smith adjusting, but I like him keeping it at least to start because his hand uses is elite, and the dead snap helps you use your hands quicker. And I just don't want to mess with that, especially for a rookie. Um, and it's just, hey, Daniel, can you get used to more of a wobbly snap? And he said, hey, as long as it's accurate, I'm fine. So, um. I'm happy with that. Not any big takeaway. The green dot. I thought we had answers on it. We don't. The first day we get a picture of uh, Bobby O'KRK with the green dot. Like, there we go. And then the next day, Xavier McKinney has it. So they truly are testing it out. Uh, Dunleavy in the interview says they last year, they gave it to the linebackers too this time of year, but they didn't. Um, unless we just didn't notice it. 
But last year it was very clear. Xavier it was McKinney. Love, well, Love and McKinney both had it in camp yeah, last year. But but it was only safeties essentially had the green dot. Um, so the the fact that Okereke is getting a shot at it means that they weren't. If let's let's just say this: if they were super thrilled, like McKinney, 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 green dot, then he would have that job. Correct. You know, and and you can't say it's because the safety depth doesn't have a real answer. Because the linebacker depth doesn't have an answer after Okereke either, so um, I'm root- rooting for Okereke to get uh, get the green dot. I just think it works better with what we're doing. And hey, run defense needs to improve, and I want Okereke leading the way on that. Yeah, I'm rooting for Okereke to get it too, simply because I want Xavier McKinney to be a playmaker this year. I I don't want Xavier McKinney having to think. I want him doing, and that's not a referendum on McKinney. I think you know Dunleavy talks in the interview about. How Xavier McKinney, he wants that green dot. He wants that responsibility of kind of leading that defense in that way. I want Xavier McKinney back there being a playmaker for the New York football giants and a defense that did not make a lot of plays last year. So let Bobby O'Kay do it. Let Bobby O'Karake wear that green dot. Um, and I agree. The fact that they are letting O'Karake do it at this stage means something. Yeah. Like McKinney probably ends up winning it out because it would be hard to take that away from McKinney. Um but the fact that Okereke is doing is like they are. Hopefully, they do give this a fair shot. I mean, um, it's it's not that I don't think it's that. Why do you say it's so tough to take it away from or difficult to take it? I mean, away he's from a team kidding? captain. It just it's just O'Karake dealing with human could, beings. If, if I, could come I, and just, wear the C. Sure, but if I'm in, if I'm Xavier McKinney, and I'm a captain of a team, I'm Green Dot, and then the next year that gets stripped away from me. It just it just sucks. Even if yeah, you get in line and you play. I'm not saying McKinney's going to be disgruntled, but it's just it's it would it's hard to do that to a human being, like give them that responsibility, and then just take it away. I mean, I think if they go about it from the perspective of if exactly like I'm saying, of this is not a referendum on you. This is a referendum on how we we want you to not think. We want you to go out there. We want you to play loose. We want you to play fast. And then also last year, I would say. Okay, who are you going to give it to? Tay Crowder and, you know, a rookie in Darian Beavers, Mikey McFadden, and then they signed Jalen Smith early in the season. So you weren't going to give it to one of those guys, if, especially if the safeties were wearing it in the camp to begin with. And you it know, did have out. Blake at that time. I mean, it you was have, just because the last year the, the safeties I mean, getting knew? it wasn't a linebacker combo. It was just Wink gives it the safeties conversation. Well, I was even thinking, like, maybe they knew what they were going to do with Blake Martinez for a while. You know, they, mm. they had a whole they had a whole offseason with Blake Martinez. Maybe they knew that he he wasn't in it as fully as they wanted him but, to. So I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't think it's so offensive. Even I know this is a human business, too. I don't think it's so offensive to to McKinney to take that away with him because you have Bobby Okereke. I mean, eventually he'd get over it, but it's just it, McKinney, you're taking it away from somebody. Right. You know, where if this was just, hey, Okereke was signed as a free agent their first year there, no big deal. Um, but it's it's always hard to strip a responsibility yeah. away from somebody. It's a no matter No matter what the reasoning is. And it's something to keep an eye on. I, what, did, what did a Twitter vote? Did Twitter vote 54% 46 that McKinney keeps it? Yeah, yeah. Which I think is where my head is at too, where it's like this guy, I, I don't know. I don't know what is, what's going to happen. But the fact that Okereke is getting a shot at it is is interesting. Other thing is I'm trying my hardest to not get hyped up about OTA tweets about all the big plays. Can't. I Darren refuse. Waller. Um, it's really hard 
not to though because it's like they do have new additions that are fast speed 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 darren waller like the best big play tight end in the nfl like had the most big plays last year and missed like what 11 games um had more 20 plus yard catches than any other giants receiver or giants target on the team last year and he played like nine games than any tight end in the nfl last year yeah or might have been tied for first with kelsey um it was like 14 20 plus yard catches last year. Yeah. But you do have to remind yourself it is OTAs. This yes. time remember this time last year we we're talking about the offense, like, hey, they're gonna have all these option choice routes. They're not gonna be afraid to make mistakes. And then they scrapped all of that two weeks into the season and had the best turnover rate in the <laughs> NFL. Um, so they're they're testing things out. But this, but here's the the little bit of excitement is that is what they want to do. This isn't a coaching staff who comes in. And is we are going to get 10 yards every three plays, bang, bang, bang. That's our ideal offense. Their ideal offense is getting chunk, 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 and not just saying you want to create explosives, but have the body of work that that's yeah. the way they like to live. So, um, and we know that they'll adjust. Best. We know that they'll adjust even if that doesn't happen. So that's the that's the fun thing too is that we have a coach. You know, we it's not just the opposite end of Jason Garrett, right? Where Jason Garrett was looking to get ten yards every three plays, and then there was no alternative to that. And then there is there is an alternative to the ideal world of Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. If we want to produce those chunk plays, and if they're not producing those chunk plays, the offense isn't bad. It's still it's still livable. It's still survivable. But the thing that I'm looking at for Darren Waller because so many people have talked about. Darren Waller, you know, he's going to operate and serve as this X wide receiver, wide receiver one. Dan Schneier talked a little bit about that when we interviewed him. Ryan Dunlavy even mentioned that, you know, how he has like that feel to him. But everything from everything that we that we know about Darren Waller's time in Las Vegas, he liked splitting time between having his hand in the dirt and then lining out out wide. And he didn't really like what Josh McDaniels was having him do, which which was kind of solely lining out lining up out wide, not with his hand in the dirt. So this is definitely a camp conversation since OTAs. OTAs is like a passing academy. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see as camp gets closer and see where he's lining up. But that's something that I'm keeping my eye out as the summer kind of develops. How often is Darren Waller lining out, out wide? And how often is he putting his hand in the dirt and actually being a tight end? Yeah, I mean, I want to actually look up the, uh, the, the splits? splits from McDaniels. So last year he was 72% split out. Uh, which was the most by far, where the other 2021, 20, and 19, he spent 60% or more in line and then less less yeah. flexed out. There will be a um, split. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, yeah. I, want, I want him to be lined out out wide. Just 70% of the time, it just seemed like he wasn't happy with that role. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you lose some of his mismatch, obviously, versus in the slot. They're going to use him in a bunch of different ways. I'm not yeah, going to stress sure. about that right now. Anything else before we kick it to Dunleavy? No, not at all. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're taking out the mix, buying tickets. Extremely super simple. Simple Man Radio. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. Taylor Swift seems to be like hot in the streets in New Jersey right now. Yeah, a lot of Could've shows. Could have went to SeatGeek. Could have went to SeatGeek. They always want to make sure that you're getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. 
We've got the hookup. Use code Giants for twenty dollars off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's twenty dollars off your first purchase with promo code Giants. Click the link in the description to download the app. And here's Ryan Dunleavy. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on to the program. First time on the show. Um, which is like we've been doing this five years. We don't have a lot of first times, but of the New York Post. Ryan Dunleavy, who's been on a hot streak, by the way. Mm. And I'll be honest, the Tony Award at first was a joke to us. And now it's become like a real award where I don't want people just picking their favorite reporter. I, it's it's The title is Best Giants uh, Beat Reporter. Not sure if you're a good person, but Best Giants Reporter. So we thought about changing it to a point system by like, hey, does this person break news? Did they mess, uh, you know, taking points away if they mess something up? And the leader would be Ryan Dunleavy. He's been on a hot streak. How you doing, my man? Good, good guys. How are you? I don't know that I need an award named after Kadarius Tony, but I do. Uh, there are a lot of great Giants beat writers, so I'm thrilled to even be uh, thrilled to even be in the mix this early in the season. I think I'm putting my my vote of endorsement because again, it's it's all about production. It's a, it's a it's a production business and been doing well. So. Uh, you, you you seem like you've got a an, an in with this new regime. <laughs> you know you got a you know the the Darren Waller news you didn't officially break, but you hinted at it. I heard you talk with Sean Marash about that one. You got the Daniel Jones news, and then this Ryan Cowden stuff, um, which we can start with that because that's fresh. We haven't even talked about that. Um, what is his role? Because it's very like like the the title of it. I don't even have it off the top of my head. Is like not necessarily a real role, but obviously those guys are close and Calvin has, has it has a good resume where he was interviewing for this job a year ago. Yeah. I mean, he's going to work in the scouting department, what his actual day-to-day responsibilities. I mean, he's going to be a voice Joe Shane trusts in the scouting department, basically, whether that's, I think it'll be kind of a utility role. I'm sure he'll look at tape. I'm sure he'll go to games. Uh, he's just going to be a sounding board that Joe Shane trusts. Uh, the title is I think a little um, not uh, as important as what the work he'll be doing is. Cause as you know, as we've seen with the uh, cheating new England Patriots for many years, you don't really worry about a title. You worry about uh, you get paid to do the job and you worry, especially if you're still under contract with your last organization that can pay you some money because then it's offsetting money. You don't want to give a guy a huge title if the Titans are already paying him a lot of money. You can give him a lower title and uh, then a lower paycheck and he's still getting what he deserves from the Titans, which is, I think, why it's a title that we're so unused to seeing. And uh, so so I suspect and uh, everybody thought, oh, he's going to be the college scouting director. From what I hear, the Giants don't really have any interest in filling the college scouting director title. They have more of a collaborative uh, scouting department and Cowden will be part of it. Yeah, executive advisor, executive advisor to the GM. Mm-hmm. That's his that's his role. Um, is that is this like a feeling of. If Brandon Brown is like hot in the streets, apparently. So if this is is this like a hey Ryan Cowden kind of comes in assistant GM if Brandon Brown goes and I know that's like a year that's a year away problem, but is that like a feeling that we get? Uh, look, I mean, certainly you'd have a guy who has a lot of experience to be that. I think, and I don't have the rules in front of me, guys, but I think if Brandon Brown was to leave, you have to interview a certain number of minority candidates. 
And so you can't just hand the job to Cowden. And I'm sure Dennis Hickey, who's been here longer and is a high level executive who also knows Shane, I'm sure he'd have something to say about an in-house promotion. There are other guys in the organization, obviously, too. Um, so, no, I mean, I think it's just you want the best department you can have. And now you have a guy who was an interim GM. I think Hickey was a GM. Shane's a GM. Yeah. You just have a lot of guys who've worn the shoes who are, uh, who have experienced a lot of different things and who trust each other from shared experiences. Yeah, he could be, he could be the next, uh, Brandon Brown, but there, look, there's no guarantee. There's a lot of really good, uh, executives in waiting. There's no, even if the giants are good again, there's no guarantee Brandon Brown's going to get a job. He's only had, I think one interview, right? I think he's only had one GM interview. I think it was with the Vikings maybe. So usually guys have to have two, three, four interviews. I wouldn't be surprised if Brown's here more than just one more year, probably two. Is, is Cowden working with the college or the pro pro scouting department? Do you uh, know? On, honestly, I don't even, I don't, I don't know that yet. I, I believe it's going to be the college scouting department. That's what I was told, but I can't say that for a hundred percent certainty. I believe it will be with college though. You brought up the director of college scouting that, that position there's, there's no one in it. And Chris Pettit being fired was one of the bigger changes that Joe Shane made. You know, and obviously when you bring in a new GM, it's hard to fire the whole scouting staff, but it was, you know, two days after the draft when they when they did do it. Is that a situation of Shane's waiting for like his perfect person to fill that role, or does he truly just not feel the need to fill that? I think it's he doesn't feel the feel the need to fill it. I don't think he's waiting for his perfect person. I think uh honestly, I think Mike DeReese, the Giants national scout, did a good job. Uh in that kind of national scouting role, obviously, as I already mentioned, Hickey did Hickey kind of filled that job in a, without having that title, he was kind of the leader of that college scouting department. And then they just promoted another one. Was it Marcus Cooper? I think they just promoted. Yeah. Marcus Cooper. Yeah. They just promoted him to fellow national scouts. So they have two national scouts with Derese and Cooper. Uh, and I think Cooper was doing the sec. Derese was doing the, uh, for the Colts, I think he was the East scout. So they have pretty much the whole East covered there with two guys who are co-national scouts and then Hickey. So I think the between the three of them, I think they have it all pretty well covered without having a director of college scouting. This is a time of year, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, you were at OTAs on, on Thursday. So this is a time of year where obviously you can't take like a ton away from stuff. You know, Dable talked a lot about how this is like a learning period and Dable just didn't give the media a lot today anyway. And I know you <laughs> tweeted about that and that was funny. But uh, but basically, I'm still there were still some things that you were kind of looking out for today slash this week. Um, what were some of those things? Did you find them out? And, you know, what are some things that are on your brain about this Giants team with OTAs? And, you know, that'll lead to some topics. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was obviously interested to see that what Darren Waller looked like, what a healthy Darren Waller looked like on the football field. And what he looks like is a guy who for lack for a cliche runs like a deer. I mean, he is just long legged running down the field. Looks like a, like a true number one receiver, uh, you know, like, like what you thought you were going to get with Kenny Galladay maybe, or what you, what you, you know, like that, that true six, six, not even like a tight end, you know, like yeah, I, you weren't seeing him run like 
10-yard curls or ins. He was just run down the sideline and throw the ball up and catch the ball. It was it was really impressive, actually. But you got to remember, guys, this is what OTAs is. It's a passing camp, right? There is no pass rush. There's really no offensive line. There's no live contact. A lot of times defensive backs are told not to even try to break up the pass. They just run in stride. Guys had a hard time running in stride with Waller. So that was really impressive just to see his athleticism shine. Um, I was interested in some of the depth chart stuff. Uh, there was a, I think there was a time they went four receivers and it was Hodgins, uh, Slayton, Campbell, and, uh, and Waller. Those were the four receivers. Then there was a time, uh, uh, came off. McFadden was the second linebacker in thought that That's was interesting. In- yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then it was just a shock to me that like, oh, wow, this is, as much as they've upgraded as linebacker, we're still talking about a lot of snaps probably for McFadden, for Beavers, for Davis uh, Straw Davis. Yeah, Jared Davis. Yeah, Jared Davis. He he actually got a lot of reps today too. He was when uh, Okereke wasn't in run situations. Jared Davis was the main right uh, linebacker. So like, just kind of some of that stuff was like where where do they line you know where do they line guys up? Schmitz was the first team center. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of some of that depth depth chart stuff and wh- where the where they're still weak. You can look at it on paper and you could say, "Oh, this team's better here." Or they're not as good here, but then you when you actually see them line up and you're like, "Oh yeah, they they need Deontay Banks to be good because they're still very short at corner." Like that 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 pops to you, or they need Okereke to be a tackling machine who can cover because. There's a big drop off after linebacker one, like j- just stuff like that as you yeah. see them run around. For sure. Yeah. Some other depth chart questions I have for you. Um, is Cordell Flott playing primarily on the outside or or in the slot? Uh, so I don't on uh I don't know that I noticed where he lined up to. I know I had a conversation with somebody in the Giants recently who said that he was drafted to be a corner in the slot. And they quickly realized last year that even though that's what it was on tape at LSU in the NFL, it looked like it moved a little fast for him and he's better on the outside. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, wow. somebody on the giants told me that they, ex- somebody in the Giants told me they expect him to be more of an outside corner, which was not what he was drafted for, but that's where he seemed most comfortable as a rookie. How do you what do you think of this wide receiver room right now? Because it's a weird log jam of guys who aren't, you know, you don't look at the wide receiver room like, man, that's a great wide receiver room. But you look at wide receiver seven and you're like, that was guy was an might have been an automatic starter on last year's team. Like now the easy answer is injury is probably going to take care of uh, these questions. But like, who do you see as the odd man out on that group? Because you have essentially, you know, six to seven guys who really aren't special teams contributors, but can play wide receiver in the NFL and be a starter. And you're not stressed about it. No, I think you, I think, well, first I think you said it when you said, uh, why injury will take care of it. If there's one thing I've learned covering the giants, it's that especially, especially at wide receiver and corner injuries just happen, uh, at the hamstring positions, injuries happen, right? I think what's the stat that I had for years r- running since like, since Odell Beckham's last game with the giants, they had only had, uh, two quarters of one game where they had their top three receivers, their running back and their tight end. Oh, terrific. <laughs> so, so it was a wild stat that up until last year. So um, 
I think that'll probably take care of it. In a perfect world, well, I think you put Darren Waller as quote-unquote wide receiver one with a lot of two tight end sets where Daniel Bellinger is your technical tight end. And uh, then I think the rest of the guys, I think there's a lot of interesting talent that is overlaps to a degree, like Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Paris Campbell. You could call them versatile receivers if you want. They're all best in the slot. I know they can technically play out slot side. Shepard did when Golden Tate was here. We know he's best in the slot. Paris Campbell, we know he's best in the slot. So there's a lot of overlapping strengths, but you're right. I think the the overall cause, the depth is so much better than it's been. Like there we had years right when Benny Fowler was the number three receiver. CJ mm. Board, CJ Board was the number three receiver. Now we're talking about is Jamison Crowder going to make the Giants? He's probably on probably on the outside because he's like mm-hmm. the fifth receiver. And Colin Johnson can do things, you know, as an outside big target, like a Darius Slayton, like an Isaiah Hodgins that a Crowder can't do. Well, Crowder would have been wide receiver two at times in 2019 or 2020. And now you're talking about him as wide receiver six. Let's start hitting some of the big names and big topics. Xavier McKinney's fingers. They're never going to tell us like, you know, they, there was a, the video they put out said he's going to be a hundred percent art. Like, do they think his finger, like, is he ever going to be able to catch the ball the same? Cause obviously like he's still going to be able to be out there fast, cover well, break up passes. Like he's going to be a good player. No one's worrying about that, but is he going to be able to catch the ball the same, or is it kind of just like, hey, his fingers are messed up? That's just a good player. Good question. Uh, I think the answer to that is yes. That's what. Again, I think you nailed it, and you you guys are smart in that regard. Like, the team's not going to come out and tell you like, no, we don't think so. But when you ask privately, they do think he'll be able to be the same player, which I assume means catching the ball because he was an inner, he had that one year where you could tell he was a ball hawk. That's what he was. Um, so he is a guy who could catch the ball. Um, when they say he's going to be the same, I assume that in, in, I assume that covers catching the ball, being an interception guy. Um, that's what they tell you privately. They expect him to get back to hundred percent. And they, they made it seem privately like, we kind of over blew when we talked to Xavier in uh, April, how much he, how much he was still injured. They think that, you know, he'll be good to go by the start of the season, but you guys do have me looking at his fingers now when he was at the podium today. And uh, I think, I think it was just about, you know, regaining strength and whatnot. I think he'll be fine. Did any reporters try and like candidly get like a, a nice like screenshot, a grab of his fingers? <laughs> Good question. I don't know if they did. I I did not, but I I don't know if others did. They probably did. <laughs> they probably. What uh, zoom in lens does Ronan have? Because that those videos he, that he puts out are wild. He does have a very yes. He does have a very you know he, you know it's ESPN right? Oh so, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Only the best. And he can afford. He can afford Taylor T- Swift con- concert tickets for his daughter. He can afford a nice. Uh, he can afford a nice Zoom lift. That's very that. true. Yeah. So I, I've been on vacation, so I haven't been keeping up like with stuff, everything. But I went through all my like the reporters' tweets after practice, and I'm like, okay, about sixty percent practice tweets, forty percent Taylor Swift tweets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was a. Uh, I mean, Dayball's going with his daughter. Jordan's going with his daughter. Uh, there was a lot of Taylor Swift music at practice, a Tina Turner song at practice, honestly. Mm. Obviously, so uh, 
yeah, there there uh, there was a lot of Taylor Swift uh, talk today. The, the the lines to buy uh, merchandise were already lined up at uh, MetLife today before the concert. So it's uh it's n- not a time you want to be around MetLife Stadium this weekend. <laughs> you got the hell out. Oh yeah. Is that a song <laughs> lyric, Justin? Well, excuse me. Was that a song lyric? No, no, no. Okay. It was a genuine. I, first of all. There would be no Taylor Swift without Shania Twain. That's just my, that's just my two cents about it. So I, I kind of dismiss Taylor take. Swift. It's, it's, a it, it's not a hot, not a hot take for me, but the average person, it's a hot take. All right, we'll get back to Ryan Dunleavy in just one second, but we got to talk about a brand new sponsor, and they're called Fume. Not everything and a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad? from your habit and today's sponsor is fume they are an innovative award nominated flavor air device that helps you do just that like the fact that you can make the air taste in a certain flavor the fact that fume can do that is actually kind of freaking nuts flavored air device i would like the air to be flavored instead of electronics fume is completely natural instead of vapor fume uses flavored air which is a crazy concept and instead of harmful chemicals fume uses all natural delicious flavors i like things that are delicious shopping is something we all put off because it's hard but switching to fume is easy enjoyable and even fun helps you break some habits like i'm a big nail biter i gotta stop doing that head to head to tryfume.com and use code johnboy to save 10 percent off when you get the journey pack today that's try fum.com and use code johnboy to save an additional 10 percent off your order today You'll be glad you did. Now let's talk about Saquon Barkley with Ryan Dunleavy. All right. Well, speaking of uh, hot topics on the street, um, you know we're almost twenty minutes in, so I'm proud of I'm proud of us that we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, you know what? what do you, I'll just throw it out. You're hot in terms of what you're hearing and getting scoops, getting news. What are you hearing? Where are we at um, with Saquon Barkley? I wish I could tell you there had been significant developments. There have not been significant developments. We are at a standstill. The Giants are not budging uh, on what they have offered. He is not budging on what he expects. Look, here I'll tell you what it really boils down to, guys. And this is on the media ourselves. Everybody has reported the $13 million that he was per year average that he was that he turned down after the season. Everybody has reported that it was about $12.5 million that he turned down in the season. What nobody has reported, including myself, I haven't been able to find it out despite trying very hard, is the guaranteed money. And what I do know is he can get tagged this year. He is tagged this year for $10.1 million. If he is tagged again next year, it's $12.4 million. So that's $22 million. Saquon Barkley is not going to take a multi-year contract offer where the guaranteed money is less than $22 million. He's just not going to take it. So that leads me to believe that they have not offered $22 million guaranteed. I don't know that. That's just... The way this business works, talking to agents, talking to sources, he's going to want at least 
the two franchise tags guaranteed. What we're all doing is reporting the contract uh, average because that's what we've been able to find out from our sources, myself included. No one's been able to find out the guarantee. The guarantee is what really matters here. I mean, we have Alvin Kamara's contract, to use it as an example, he technically makes $15 million a year, but he has a huge number in the last year of his contract that's non-guaranteed that he put in the him and his agent put in there to make him a $15 million a year running back. But I want to say the last year is like $28 million that he's never going to see. So he's really a 12 and a half million dollar a year running back. So Saquon and his team know, I think that the average per year isn't that important. It's the guaranteed money. And I think that's where the holdup is yeah. between the two sides. Yeah. We've talked about this kind of over and over again about how like Saquon, uh, the giants have won like the PR game in this at least on the outside Very looking in so. and so. i mean this is i think i think his team and say like he's lost himself millions and millions of dollars so here's how i'll, I'll bring in daniel jones's contract negotiations here too because his team operated that beautifully and his you know change of agents kind of like at the two minute mark worked out beautifully for him what i feel like there's something that saquon barkley can learn from how the Daniel Jones contract negotiations went, because you were all on top of that too, where numbers that were being leaked out, Daniel Jones wanting this, the Giants are at this point. So what do you think like his team, or at least himself, can learn from that Daniel Jones process too, or is there something to learn from it? I think it's too late, honestly. I think I think the ship I think the ship has kind of sailed there in terms of what they could have learned. And that's it's unfortunate. Like, look, Daniel had all the leverage. Saquon had a lot of leverage, I think, during the season when he was having a great season. And, you know, Daniel's so much of Daniel's success was dependent on having Saquon. Uh, as soon as it became the franchise tag seven minutes before the deadline, when they, they looked like they were going to have to franchise tag Daniel and they got the deal done from that point on. I don't really know what Sa Saquon hasn't had any leverage. I think the next time Saquon would have leverage, a bunch of us were talking about this at practice today, actually. The next time Saquon would have leverage, I think, is once training camp starts, once preseason games start, once the regular season starts, and you see how the offense could struggle without mm. Saquon Barkley. Let's put it this way. I think there is the Giants, the fans – uh, especially the ones on social media, I think are underselling how important Saquon is to the Giants. And obviously, I don't think anybody needs to know this, but obviously I'm very pro Saquon Barkley. Like my tweets, I think, show that I think he is incredibly valuable to this organization. So uh, I think the next time he would have leverage is once the game start and you're like, wow, Daniel can't run the ball nearly as effectively if the other option the defense is worried about is Matt Brieta. Like, I think once that happens, it's going to be like, oh, wow, they really need a great run. This offense is built that they need. If it's not Saquon Barkley, they need somebody a hell of a lot better than whoever else they have. And that's no offense to anybody there. Um, so I think that's the next time we would have leverage. The problem is by that point, he can't have leverage because July 15th is the franchise de deadline. And after then, you can't negotiate a long-term deal. So the next time he's going to have leverage is after a point where he can no longer negotiate a contract. So I don't think there is a – what they – they I think they tried to copy – what Daniel Jones's camp did, and I appreciate you noticing that 
you know, I was on top of that, is they set an unrealistically high asking price, $48 million, with the intent of getting close to $40 million, or getting 40 or about 41 Shoot for the stars and you get to 40. If you go in and you say, we want 42, you're not going to end up at 40. You're going to end up at 37. So that it, the Giants wanted 33 or whatever the franchise tag was. They wanted 48 and voila, they got to 40, which is really what they wanted the whole time. And Saquon, I think, did something very similar, went in and asked for, you know, his team asked for $16 million, knowing that he wasn't going to get $16 million, but figuring that would get you to 14 and a half or 15. And it's just not how it works for running backs. And if that's not how it worked for running backs in October, everything that's happened to running backs since then, including most recently Austin Eckler, has only worked further against him. Yep. Why hasn't Saquon's agents, though, like leaked out the guaranteed money? Because like I've said, like we've said the whole thing, like it's I'm not going to harp on the average annual value because I don't know the guaranteed money, but if the guaranteed money's bad. Like that would be my first move as his agent. Like talk, you know, talking uninformed here is like let I'll no, leak out the guaranteed money, even if <laughs> I lie about it a little bit. Like, and <laughs> the only thing they've done, it seems, is reply to Mage on Twitter saying this isn't true and not expounding on it at all. Where it's like, it, if it was bad, like I feel like that'd be agent one on one. Like leak out how bad the guaranteed money is. That that is the great mystery in all this. Is if it was bad you would think they would do that the uh, one when i've poked around on that what i've heard is um say that saquon is the team guy and would not want to would not want his team leaking information he is not the guy who would want uh he is not the kind of guy who would want to be his people around him leaking information he would not want to uh he would not want to make it look like he is creating bad blood here. And uh, he does. That's what I've heard when I've heard, when I've asked around, Hey, why don't you, why doesn't somebody do this is Saquon would be angry at anybody in his camp who did that. Mm. That's wild. It's hard for him to say that he'll miss games though. If he's not even willing to leak out a little bit. I don't, bad I don't like, think it has anybody said he's going to miss games. I don't think there's any, No, but that's his leverage is to miss games. I don't so think there's just... any, I don't think there's any, I think it showed you when he went to Arizona that with his team, he has no intention of missing games. He loves mm -hmm. football. He loves his teammates, loves to win. Um, this is about business. So he's not going to sign the franchise tag before he has to, he's not going to come to voluntary stuff. He's not going to do anything for the giants, but for his teammates, he's going to do everything. He's going to go, he's going to make sure he's in shape. He's going to go to the off. He's going to go to their things. He's going, you know, he's not going to do anything business related. He's going to do everything football related. So I think when push comes to shove, he'll be at the football games. So, but where, where, I mean, where do you think this is landing? Him playing on the tag and being there yeah. week two of camp, week four of camp, or you know, you at, Monday, you, Monday before uh, Cowboys prep? Yeah, some uh, closest. I think close. I think we're landing on closer to Monday before Cowboys prep. That's kind of yeah. may, maybe it's a week before that. Maybe it's a last. Maybe it's after the preseason games are over. Uh, that I think there's two weeks now before between the yeah. end of the preseason and the start of the regular season somewhere in there is I think where we're landing. And uh, if he has a good sense of humor, he should come in and say, uh, 
all right, I'm here. Running backs don't really matter, right, guys? So it doesn't matter that I missed three weeks of training camp, right? It doesn't really matter. All that matters for a running back is you don't really, all you have to do is play in the games. All the other stuff doesn't really matter for a running back. So here I am. So. Well, the crazy thing is, is his best year, he missed basically all of training camp that rookie year. Um, yeah. After, yeah. Well, not all of training camp, but a good chunk of it uh, before getting yeah. banged up. And obviously, we know Saquon's not going to come in out of shape. No, um, that's it. That's I mean, so that that's another. The Giants don't have to worry about him coming in out of shape. He, they know he's going to work his ass off. So that's another. I mean, that's another thing. They don't really have this to worry. This is so about bizarre. Ryan, Ryan, this is so bizarre. Because the leverage that Saquon Barkley has is to miss football games for the Giants, but, but he will refuse to do that. So the so the, if the Giants know that, if Saquon Barkley knows that, then it's just delaying the and inevitable remember, of signing is, the tag. But again, right? there's, there's no leverage in missing football games because at that point he can't negotiate a extension anyway right the deadline all passed so there's no leverage even in missing football games when can he sign an extension is it like end of the season or yes and after the after season july, or like after july 15th it goes to after the season after the season okay it's not yeah, it's, like it's, march it's literally like january 8th or whatever they could sign an extension yeah so they're, they're coming off of a winning season do you see it affecting the locker room at all um, obviously those guys are want there, but do you think it will change anything from day to day? Because I mean, Dex got his money. DJ got his money. Thomas is going to get his money. McKinney's contract will be a, a fascinating one. Cause I have, I really have no good prediction on it. Uh, but I, I don't see it as being, I mean, the vibe seem good from the outside looking at it. Yeah. I would say that's for the most part, my experience covering the NFL for six years is like guys want each other to get paid but mostly they want themselves to get paid. So mm -hmm. like, so like, yes, Daniel wants Saquon to get paid, but like he got his and like Dexter wants Saquon to get paid, but he got his. So it's not like a rallying cry in the locker room of like the giants are cheap and they're not paying anybody and we're not going to play hard for them. If you're insert guy here, who, uh, if you're cave on, like, you think you're going to get yours because you think you're Dexter Lawrence, not Saquon Barkley. Like you, like you think, you know, the Giants are paying my teammates. They just happen not to be paying this one guy who I would love to see get paid, but that's not really relative to me. I'm going to get mine because he got his. So that's, well, that's not speaking to this group in particular. That's speaking to six years of yeah. talking to agents and NFL players is yeah. that's generally the perception is they they believe they'll that they'll fit in with the norm, not the exception. And right now, paying guys is the norm for the Giants, and Saquon is the exception. Yeah. How hard of a topic was John Michael Smith's dead snap today? Mm. <laughs> it was asked about. I I blame you guys for it, right? Yeah. I, I I blame you guys. I had so here's a funny story. I uh, covered Rutgers when they were using the dead snap in like 2016 and I had forgotten all about it. I had like, I don't think I had heard the term dead snap in like six years. And then they drafted Schmitz and I think it was you guys, right? Like who made a big deal about it on. Twitter. Oh yeah. We were on it. I had like yeah. 10 tweets about it. And then you guys did it. <laughs> and then uh, Jordan asked about it. Uh, Dash Schmitz about it. 
And then I was like, where have I heard that term before? And I like Googled like dead snap. Like one of the first things that came up was like my own article from like six years ago about Rutgers. And I was like, wow, I had totally forgotten this thing even existed. And so then, yeah. So how hot a topic was it? it Daniel was asked, I think, three questions about it. And basically he said, he told Schmitz, it's fine. Keep doing it. It's accurate. I'm I'm good with it. So uh Yes, I, I don't know when I would have realized that he was doing it. I'd like to think eventually, but I definitely did not realize before you tweeted it. So you're you're on snap. You're on the snap beat. Mm. I did not notice oh, that. yeah. You're That's on what OTAs it, are for when you're not a beat reporter. It's like find one, two, one or two, three, you know, like, yeah. Do I personally do I want to get excited about the Darren Waller big play tweets? Yeah, but I, I like tell myself you can't do that. So get excited about Green Dot. Green, green dot and John Michael Smith snaps. Those are the green, things we can green dot. Look at. They're they're using multiple green dots right now. So mm, yeah, uh, McKinney. I was has, excited when I saw the Okereke picture, and then the next day I, I saw a picture with McKinney on it. So they're using multiple at the same time, which is, I think is something they did last year at this time too. I mean, basically what they do is instead of alternating days, they just have a bunch of guys wear them simultaneously, and then that's how they judge. Uh, that's how they judge who's you know right for the job i mckinney wants the job i think uh oh he does i don't think he i i think he will end up probably being the guy mm. um if you ask me right now i think mckinney will end up probably being the guy but um but uh okay obviously has experience too it'll be one of those two but mckinney wants it so bad i have a hard time believing that uh they'll tell him no it would be hard to take it away from it because mckinney was like the plan all last year and I, I think it's uh, Steve Serby had an interview with Kafka and Wink a couple weeks ago after the draft. Yeah. And he brought like like he brought up Okereke. He's like, we haven't had a linebacker do it since CJ Mosley, which I think was 2019 or 2018. Um, so he brought up Okereke. So those are those are the things we get. They do about. like they do like the top down look that a safety gives them at the defense, which makes sense, right? Like the middle linebacker has to look behind him, look in front of him, look to his left, look to his right. I do know that the defensive coaches on this team wink or other guys whoever it is uh i do know for a fact that they like the top down look that a safety gives them at the defense yeah um it just the question will be like how much i think it's an, just Xavier mckinney to me is one of the more intriguing players on the roster because he was so good in 2021 and we knew that even if he'd be really good this past season, was not going to have the same production that he had in Patrick Graham's scheme. Like they were totally opposite types of schemes. But he uh, actually just, likes this scheme better than he likes. Which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, and that's the weird thing is McKinney has kind of trashed the past coaches, which is like right. weird because like, hey, I get if you trash them on the if you're on the offensive side, but defensively, like they put McKinney in the best situation to get paid. Yeah. So yeah. even if you play just as good in this uh, defense, you're not going to get the. Same type of pay from the outside and then gets the responsibility a couple of times where there's 10 men on the field for touchdowns. The the eight, even if they're not holding it totally against him, like the ATV thing, that ballers the shit out of them, you know? So it's I think he's the most intriguing player, like predicting what happens with him. How much money does he get paid by the Giants? Baltimore has, you know, let guys walk at the safety position. So I think he's just a more, one of the more fascinating players. It certainly helped his, with this it year. certainly helped his future here that they let Julian go because yeah. they're very thin, obviously, at safety. He is not a guy I just asking around, like he can't like he's gonna get to free agency because they can't really pay him now because he was injured last year. 
he wouldn't get anywhere near what he believes. He believes he's a top safety. So he's, he would, he's going to want that money. So he's on obviously a mission this year, but I think you made, you guys hit on a really interesting point about Xavier McKinney from just being around him as much as I've been is he is not about, he is really not about like me and how much you can make. And he really is about like desperately trying to like make this thing come together and win like he very like he knows he had a great season under Patrick Graham. And like you've said, he knows that defense was not going to work. So he is very much all about like the the sum of the parts and not him. So like I think that him like you're right, like guys who have individual success rarely speak out against schemes or coaches. And even though that scheme put him in a great position, he was not a fan of it in terms of winning. So he is much more of a fan of this in terms of what it will allow the Giants to be able to do, even though it doesn't highlight his own attributes as much, which I think is a really unique, uh, commendable trait in an NFL locker room. And the, the Saquon situation plays into him too, because if Saquon gets a long-term deal, you, you have the franchise tag at your disposable yeah. for uh, McKinney. I don't think there's any other players that would fall under the category needing that. We'll finish off with some light hard stuff. Who's the player you well, like interviewing the most? Or go ahead, Justin. Well, no, yeah. Even before we get to Tony stuff and some casual stuff, uh, this question could flop. But one minute into Daniel Jones's presser today, I saw him smile and look way more comfortable, more than at, at any other point in his career in New York so far. So this is why this question could flop because it's like you know, could I be reaching? But we're thirty five minutes into this interview, so maybe I am reaching. Do you think the contract extension, and this is just human nature too, because I can easily see this this answer being yes. Do you think the contract extension and Daniel Jones's security now is now making him feel a little bit more comfortable as like the Giants quarterback and the leader of this team? I think there is undoubtedly that is true. Like, I think he did a pretty good job hiding how hurt he was last year that they declined his fifth year option. Uh, I think most people in that spot would have been talking about chips on their shoulders and whatnot. And he's so robotic that he never really said any of that. But just from my reporting within after the season through March, I learned a lot about how much that bothered him. So, yes, I do think there is a, a part of him now that thinks, you know, the Giants are more, quote unquote, his team and he's not. You know, he'll never say this, but people around him would tell you, I think that there's more of a sense of, okay, he's earned his place. He's not just like Eli Manning's successor, mini Eli, Eli 2.0, like this is the Daniel Jones era or whatever. I do think there is a comfort that comes with that. Do I think that all of a sudden he's going to be anecdotal and, uh, and no insightful and all no i mean he, i there's a gag i i do where i uh, i put his quotes into a robot voice and uh and uh play them out loud that i still think that's going to probably happen uh i still don't think he's going to give you much but i do think behind the scenes he is much more comfortable as like you know, much more comfortable in who he is and the, the yeah. place he has earned. And I, not just it comes with the contract, guys. I think that would sell it short. To, I would think that would be selling Daniel Jones short. I think also a lot comes with success. He had success, and that's obviously very important to, towards Bill. You can say you're confident, you're confident, but if you're whatever, you were 13 and 30, you're, you don't really have a 
don't really have a right to be confident. He had success last year. And I think that as much or not more than the money comes with him starting to feel like he belongs. Yeah, he's he's impressive at the ability to not answer a question. I mean, you could ask him, hey, Dan, do you love I've your mother? Seen. And he'd be like, you know, right. I, I'd certainly say so, but I love the whole my team too. And we, I love, we love all my her. I love all my family members. And you know, she is she's a good mother. And you know, <laughs> my focus is on the team, my focus on the team right now. But sure, you know, I wouldn't be here without her. And you know, the the best I've ever seen at saying nothing. <laughs> um who's your favorite your favorite player to interview and, and get quotes from and stuff uh i love darius slayton uh i love he's uh, i love darius slayton i love um i love julian love i like the guys who you can talk to about stuff that isn't just football because like you know, guys, you guys are probably better at X's and O's than I am. Like, uh, I'm, I don't pretend in any world to be, you know, uh, X's and O's genius. I, you know, I, I write what my sources tell me. I write what I see. I, I write feature stories. I write, uh, you know, stuff like, I, I like guys that you can talk to that. I like guys that, you know, ask you about you when you ask them about them. So Slayton and, and Love were just good human beings. I love talking to Andrew Thomas because Andrew Tom, Andrew Thomas's football answers are like you, it's so hard to get a guy to actually give you a football answer. Everything's like, oh, you know, that's what the scheme tells us to do, and that's what these football players have been trained to do is like not give too much away. Andrew Thomas is fo- can speak football to you in a way that if you've never played offensive tackle, it still makes sense what he has to do on each play. I think that's a really impressive skill. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoy talking to Andrew Thomas. Um, Nick Gates when, was Nick Gates was one of my favorites of all time. So uh, I, I spent time at Nick Gates's locker. We talked for 15 minutes, and then I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I got to ask you something about football." Yeah, you, you basically mentioned all of our guys, Thomas. So Thomas, because Thomas is a little bit more reserved person, you know, like obviously he answers questions. I actually were we tried to open him up with some like personal life questions, and we try to do that with player interviews, anyways. But it was like you said, it was like the talking about football scheme stuff where he really opened up. And I look back at that interview and I'm like, man, I wish we would just talk ball the whole <laughs> yeah. 25 yeah. minutes because that's where he like gave real answers, talked about this player, what this guy's strengths are and stuff. Those and- guys do not do that. And he is really good at telling you the football stuff, but without doing it like a where you're like, I don't really understand what you're saying. He does. He it. also makes me feel really smart. Cause I like talk about him in the offensive line report and he'll like say the same thing in his <laughs> interview. Like I make sure I got to clip this and quote you the offensive line report with this. So yeah. Um, yeah. Justin, do you got anything else? Guys. No, I mean, can we, can I think we touch I just on... told you what my uh, good guy ballot was. I think I just accidentally revealed. Oh, oh well, who, yeah. Did you vote for Julian love? I voted for love Slayton and who would my third have been? Love, I think Love, Slayton, and Gates were my three guys last year. Did Tony get a vote in 2021? Certainly not from me. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I know people don't like that we talk about him, but it's just his interviews to me were the most fascinating thing about just, the year 2021. It, I mean, it, look, I, I didn't really – I'm not going to pretend. I didn't really get to know him ever. Um, but well, I yeah. – I uh I didn't I did not like that he laughed in our faces as much as <laughs> and see that's where on the outside I'm like I was like I get the 
and that's what I and like, this is why I, I like I try to because I try to treat every player with respect, and I did not feel like that was a two way street. So oh no, I mean that's why it was that's why those interviews were insane because he would just straight up laugh in your like I, I I've now the other I'm glad that you answered the the uh, answered it truthfully because we've asked the other reporters like oh it's no it's like no no human being likes to go to an interview and know. This guy's not going to take it serious. No, he's going to laugh at everything I say. He's going to try and make me look like a fool. Yeah, and like, like and that like that I can't be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it affected my coverage of him. Like you know, if he was a terrific player, then I think I would have wrote about how he was a terrific player. But no, I didn't like being. We asked yeah, like Jordan and Duggan and stuff. Like, oh, I don't, I don't mind him laughing right in my face and making fun I, of me. It's like, I, yes, I, you do. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> maybe they didn't. I'm a different. I'm a different. Jordan guy. did. Uh, I'm a Jordan, Jordan did. Yeah. yeah, Jordan likes to play too cool for school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a different guy. I don't. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a different. I, as you know, if you've you know listened to Jordan's podcast, where you know I don't eat salads and stuff like that. Yeah, like, that was that was I'm quite a, enjoyable. I don't, I don't to watch that. movies and stuff like that. Whatever. I'm a different guy. No, I don't like being. I don't like when you laugh in my face. Like I, <laughs> I try. You know, I try to. Put that it doesn't in, make you different. Kenny <laughs> Galladay had some of the most, you know, uncomfortable interviews I've ever been around in terms of like, we're just asking you like about living up to this contract and you're not and like, you know, dropping passes. And um, he was never disrespectful. It was never, you know what I mean? It was never confrontational. We, I've, we were not, we were never going to be friends with him. But it was six minutes of, I'm going to ask you a question. You understand I have a job to do. I understand you have a job to do. Let's get this six minutes over. And now that I say this, uh, the all, my favorite player ever to interview, in six years, my favorite Giants interview by far is Evan Ingram. By far my favorite. I was going to, that's who I thought of. It, like that, that 2020 that, season, man. The ultimate Mr. Accountability, understood your job, Um you know, didn't hold it against. I mean, obviously, had so many tough games and so many, uh, so many games where you know where you were asking him questions about drops and whatnot, or uh, and just the ult- the ultimate accountability, anecdotal, personable was oh, you know, a hello. You could stop by, chat, like learned your name, which is a big thing for me. I'm not going to lie. Like if you learn my name, then I feel like, okay, you, you want to like have a relate. This isn't just about six minutes of a business transaction. Like you're, you know, um, Evan Ingram, I say is my favorite six, uh, giant interview in six years. Yeah, definitely. Drops are the easiest way to get into a fan base's bad graces. And then on top of that drops that consistently turned into interceptions and then fumbles too. It, I wish that that happened to someone who wasn't such a nice guy like Evan Ingram because Evan like Evan Ingram is one of the nicest guys in the world. But it's like that year, we rightfully so had to basically shit on him every single almost every single week. And he now the scheme didn't help him, but like part of that was his the flaws of his game as well. Um, you know, it's like so it, it was like I, I hated like talking so ne- I, I knew that it affected him negatively, but it's like you kind of have to. And then obviously some of that turns way nastier than it should and, uh, with social and you media like guys and who are you like guys who are honest and he was always honest about you know yeah it's wearing on me yeah like i i feel he was never like you know when a guy's lying he's like no i block out the outside noise well we can tell you don't block out the outside <laughs> noise so 
Um, so he was always honest about where he was and his head, where in his headspace, and he, he never blamed anybody. Never blamed the media. It was never like you guys are writing terrible things about me. He understood like if we write about if you score two touchdowns, we write about that, and if you have a drop against the Eagles, that's not our fault. Like he, he understood that. I that I I always had the most respect for Evan Ingram. Bobby, I gotta be I gotta be honest, Bobby and Ryan. I'll be honest with you too because you're part of this conversation. I'm I'm gonna campaign for Ryan Dunleavy, um, uh, Tony Award winner. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. We me got too. a whole season, boys. We got a whole. No, season. well, the, the campaign. I mean, this is this is the kickoff to the campaign. <laughs> and and I'll also, have... I will I will dig up. I will try and dig up the tweets of any time that I try and break insignificant sig- significant news. You yeah. will find it, and you will give me credit, which that is part that is a huge part of the Tony Award. You know winning candidacy so i'm gonna campaign for it yes there's a few things that go into being a tony uh award winner one breaking doing your job well breaking news two do you you're, kiss our you're, ass you're you're winning the year one being nice to us you always <laughs> give us the hat tip um even when other beat reporters don't want to if you get if you give us the hat tip first then they have to pile on and be like bobby had it first justin had it first blah 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 danny king um first. And then also saying what people don't want to hear, even if it's true, which I think is a lot of reporters because of social media, it's kind of ruined that aspect of reporting a little bit. Um, so. I mean, I, I get attacked by fans quite a bit. So, but you just. Uh, All right. Well, that was enough like ass kissing for, for 45 minutes. We Ryan, we appreciate <laughs> you. Everyone follow. It's at our Dunleavy. R-Y. Correct. R-Y. R-Y Dunleavy, New York Post. Appreciate you as always, and and we'll have to get you in the van uh, in August. Training camp. I'll be be there. Yeah, get ready to be uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. All right, we'll we'll see you then. All right. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you to Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post. Hopefully, a future Tony Award winner. That's right. We are stamping our stamp of approval on Ryan Dunleavy for Tony Award winner 2023. That's the year that we're in. And speaking of award winners, I want to talk to you about Manscaped. Because if you haven't heard, Manscaped, they're the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They're traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary Beard Hedger Pro Kit. That's right. They've now launched the brand new Weed Whacker 2.02. So they got you covered all around your beautiful face. Manscaped now has a brand new nose ear, nose and ear hair trimmer. I need it. My nose hair grows like weeds. It's time to upgrade your toolbox by going to manscaped.com and using our code giants for 20% off plus free shipping. There's a, like I said, I mentioned that there's a pro kit. There's a beard pro kit. They have a beard shampoo and conditioner. It comes with beard oil, beard bomb, a bunch of stuff. The pro board, the pro beard kit also comes with three free, free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. I've heard great things about the beard brush, great things about the beard brush, and it's all for free. If you go to manscaped.com and get 20% offense free shipping with our code giants at manscaped.com, always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped, Bobby Skinner. You'll be glad you did. Be glad you did. Thanks again, Ryan Denley, for coming on. Um... I don't think I'm going to – I think I'm just going to live in Spain now. Yeah, you're enjoying it? It's just a much more simple life. Um, so I'm going to work the olive tree farms. Yeah. And uh, 
this is my last episode of Talking to Giants. Okay, sure. See you. No, but I'll be back. I'll be back <laughs> next Wednesday. Uh, so, um, did we'll, you we'll see? Another... Uh, did you see my content idea for you? Yeah, I mean that cat is literally a demon. Like it at first, I'm like, oh, this cat's cool, and then it's like, no, this cat is indeed not cool. It is an enemy of mine. Um, I just need like somebody to be to recording you. Going to every single window, trying to get into the house. <laughs> I just need somebody to be recording you as you record animals doing things. Yeah, I mean, I saw um, D. Rickers responded with the um, Andy Samberg, like, how's your mother doing to the chicken? Yeah. Uh, if you just talk like, to that, animals. That is how I interact with animals. I just, I don't, and children too. Like, hey, I don't. don't do the cuckoo, cuckoo, like, what's up? What's up, William? How you doing, my man? Like, you know, I I, I talk to I just talk to everything as an adult. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. This globe, like you know, what's what up, globe? globe? How you doing, my bee? Um, it is what it is. Uh, all right, that's an episode. We'll be back Tuesday. Uh, haven't decided exactly what we're doing, but might have a, a a friend of the show that everybody loves on. Haven't talked to him uh, in a while, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. What happens? Maybe we'll get some insane news. Maybe someone will get arrested. Maybe I'll get arrested in the airport. We appreciate you by smuggling some type of stuff back into the United States. Watch out for me. Give me a cigar. Okay, I could do that. Um, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Let Thank me, you. Let me let me let me write that down because I will forget. I'll buy you more stock cars at Charlotte. Bam! Perfect gift giving. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go big blue.